0: Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos and welcome to the Back Peg, episode eight of the Daily Doha, and this episode is brought to you by Andre Kramaric Probably the best quote of the World Cup. So, just for some context as to why, in lieu of a sponsor, we've gone with Kramerich to bring us this episode of the Daily Doha. So, do you recall at the end of the Belgium-Canada game, John Herdman, the Canadian coach, who we're a fan of, said to his Canadian players that we can F Croatia? Well, to quote Andre Kramerich, I want to thank Canada's coach for the motivation. Croatia demonstrated who F'd whom. (laughs) (laughs) my highlight of the day as well off the pitch
1: yep oh yeah straight off the bat you got to be careful what you say as a coach because you never know what can come back to bite you in the backside
0: fortune favors the brave but sometimes yeah it can bite you in the backside i'm still a fan of john herdman though and i'm a fan of kramerich so there you go and didn't he play well today he
1: certainly did two goals on the way to Croatia's 4-1 win we'll kick things off with this game why not Canada taking the lead in the first minute, scoring their first ever World Cup goal, Or Alfonso Davies with a great header down into the turf and skidding past the goalkeeper, but Croatia responded quite well and it took them a little bit to get going. Didn't get a goal for a good while into the game but once they did, they really did look like the only team in the contest and Canada now the second team, confirmed eliminated from this World Cup alongside the hosts and it's pretty unlucky for them to be honest. I think they should have won the game against Belgium. They should be on three points and still alive with a chance to go through to the knockout stages, but not to be.
0: It's not the case. And unfortunately for the North Americans, they are on their way back home. Yeah, totally different intensity between the Belgium game and the Croatian game for them. I think they, uh, in defense, they didn't really apply themselves and they were just, uh, gave so much space. They just couldn't shut down down the, the play anywhere. Uh, they went in the face of the Croatians. They were kind of sitting back, and again, as we've seen in previous uh, matches during this tournament, that if you're going to sit back and give your opponent space, they're going to take it, and they're going to make you know they're going to make the most of your errors. And Canada did make some defensive errors. So, do you put it down to a, a skill issue or a motivation one? That
1: the first game, they're always going to be up for it. First game since the '80s of the World Cup, and it's hard to back that one up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think that's more so the case, but. I mean Herdman did give Croatians some motivation there, that's for sure. And the Croatian press took advantage of that uh to try and uh get this feeling of um you know, of no backward steps here and that we we need to go forward and, and uh assert ourselves. And that's what the Croatians did today and they did assert themselves. They certainly did, rounding out four one winners and
1: the last goal was a bit of a bonus cherry on top in the fourth minute of stoppage time. But you're right to mention Kramerich scored the equaliser. And scored the sealer as well, 3-1. And it was a much improved performance from Croatia all round, particularly as well Perisic, a player who he was pretty anonymous in the game against Morocco on match day one. He didn't have uh, any sort of impact on the game whatsoever. Today, two assists and did sort of charge this Croatian team forward.
0: Yeah, agreed. I agree. Uh, sets, up, um, the, you know, sets up the final round match between Belgium and Croatia very well, though. I mean, Belgium is still alive, just... They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. No, you, and uh, like we said, I think we can definitely say this is the end of their golden generation. Even Kevin De Bruyne said it the other day. Yeah, we're too old. Yep. And then Jan Vertonghen was hitting back
1: after this game, and he said, oh, maybe the attack's too old as well. So seems like there's a little <laughs> bit of uh, infighting going on yeah. here at the Belgian camp.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't seem, things don't seem right. And look, it's obviously emanated from the frustration that this group of players have Um, have experienced given their lack of success or lack of expected success from previous tournaments. I I think you're on the money there.
1: And the only thing they can point to is a bronze medal at the last World Cup. And looking back on this almost 10-year period where everyone was expecting Belgium to go and do something, win a major trophy, they never really had that full package. There was always something that was letting them down. At some tournaments, it was the defence. At some tournaments, it was the goal scoring. They never really got everything together in one go. And It is going to be seen as a failure of a period for Belgium, given the quality of players and what they were producing at their clubs. And still are, to be fair, some of them still producing at their clubs. But I think also they never had a a manager who was good enough to lead this Belgian side. Roberto Martinez, I've got so many questions over, whether he's good enough to lead a side of this quality. The previous managers as well, like Mark Wilmot, same sort of questions. I, I
0: don't think they've been helped, this group of players, by the Belgian FA. I agree with you with regard to the managers in particular. Uh, and that's all we can say about that. There's nothing else that needs to be said. You're right there. Um, I think we need to focus on Morocco, though, and how good they were. You know, they could have easily had more than two. Zayech was brilliant. The whole team was brilliant, actually. They were fantastic to watch. And well-deserving of the three points. Belgium
1: had some chances, but I think it was only really the one that Burton's had mid, like, not long after he came on that really did look like it was a, a troubling time for Morocco that they looked a little bit ragged. That was the only point in the game where I thought that Belgium could come back into it because they just outclassed Belgium all over the pitch for pretty much the whole game. And the free kick was fantastic. The first goal really caught out Courtois, which is surprising after what happened in the first half, where there was a direct free kick that ended up in the back of the net, ruled out for offside, but a very similar, similar situation. And Thibaut Courtois, a brilliant goalkeeper, but he was found wanting there and It's just another mistake from this Belgium side. So all praise to Morocco for exploiting what they could and really playing Belgium off the park, well-deserving of the three points. And yes, it does set up this final match day. We would probably predict that Morocco will be able to get over Canada in the final game, given that Canadians are already going home. They'll be disheartened. It should be no problem for Morocco to win that game. So it is a straight shootout between
0: Belgium and Croatia for who goes through to the round of 16. I think our predictions are wrong. I think we need. I think that Morocco will actually make it out of the group. Belgium will be eliminated. Croatia will beat Belgium. It'll be a big shock if Morocco don't go through now. Yeah, they'll have to lose the game against Canada, I think. That's right, and, and that's not going to happen, right? So I think Morocco are favourites to 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 obviously qualify to the round of 16, and then really, Croatia and Belgium. will Croatia need
1: a draw. I'd back them in to get that as well. Belgium. Based on what we've seen from the two games, they they don't even deserve to be in this position, Belgium, let alone go through to the round of 16. So for mine, Croatia have been good enough to get through. They were great against Morocco in the first game, but perhaps after another round of football, that's more reflective on Morocco. This is a side who, having conceded a goal in over 10 hours of football now, and the manager who's been there for a little bit of time, not a whole lot, he's yet to see his team concede, which is a remarkable statistic. Makes a question on what happens when they do concede because there'll come a time where they will. But for now, all's looking very good for Morocco and it's just a case of how far and how long they can keep this going.
0: Yep, totally agree with you there. Shall we move on to our Asian counterparts, Japan?
1: Yes, yes, Japan, Japan, Japan. What a letdown. What a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. It was there for them
1: to go it through was. to the round of 16 on a silver platter, Costa Rica. They only needed one shot. And they took it one shot over two games. <laughs> and the remarkable go. how football works, it is, isn't it? Japan, who were so good against Germany on the break. I did say yesterday that it's a different challenge, and they needed to be on the front foot and assert themselves in the game. They were able to keep the ball for a, a large period of it, but they just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. They had that one goal mouth scramble t- towards the end of the game. There wasn't too many clear-cut opportunities for them, though. Costa Rica were much better defensively. They defended much more as a unit, and they got their award in that defensive structure. They were able to go and hit Japan on the break, much like Japan did to Germany, and cause the uh, cause the upset.
0: Yeah, great effort by Costa Rica. I mean, look, they were on the back foot, though. You know, they were trying to absorb as, as much pressure as they could. The Japanese couldn't take advantage of it. Costa Ricans were disciplined in defence as well, not to give them too many uh, set pieces to the Japanese. Uh, in critical areas, so and that scramble uh, with Navas saving the day there, earned them the points. And uh, you got to give, uh, you know, you got to say congratulations to Costa Rica. Not a fan of their football, right? They uh, weren't on the front foot at all, right? But they broke, they got the opportunity, and that's all they took.
1: Yeah, I think the lineup for Japan was wrong. Just you could see that the double change at halftime it did change the entire nature of the game. Japan did nothing in that first half. You bring on the double sub. You bring on um, Ito and Asano, and the game was completely different for Japan. They were, they were looking a lot more dangerous for the Costa Ricans, but it was too little too late. If they'd started with that team, perhaps we'd be talking about Japan making it through to the round of 16, but it's not to be. They've gone down as a 1-0 loss, and looking at match day three, they've got Spain. Oh, boy, it's tough from here. We were saying but yesterday that we fancied Japan to make it through, and now they're looking more likely
0: to be going home. Nathan, I think you're right. Those changes... Uh, were critical to Japan and, and changed their fortunes in the second half. Because you're right, the first half was a drab affair. But the with regards to the second half, or with regards to Japan's lineup, five changes from the the game against Germany. I didn't think that they needed to uh, rotate. I think uh, you know. I think that was an issue from Moriarty there. I think he got the wrong call. I think they needed to secure a qualification for the round of sixteen. They needed to uh, win this game. And I would have gone with primarily the same, you know, the same 11 that started the game against Germany and then uh, make a couple of changes here and there.
1: Well, we're speaking with Sean Carroll on our preview for this group. And he did say at the time that given that there is Spain and Germany in this group, Sean was worried about the Costa Rica game, that it might be one that they sort of gloss over a little bit and they don't focus on as much. And that one might actually be the banana skin. And that's turned out
0: to be the case. Sean was right. Sean was right. I actually thought of Sean straight away after the result and uh, what he would mentioned in our preview. So, uh, amazing insight and well called from Sean. And that was a, a month out from the World Cup. Someone asked you for the lottery numbers, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to have to send him a tweet. <laughs> Let's have a look at the last
1: game of the day. The other one from Group E, Spain against Germany. The one that we had marked in our calendars as a blockbuster fixture. And what do you make of it, Lazarus? Did it live up to the billing?
0: No, it was tense. Look, it it, it was tense. And you could tell that... um, I think, though, what did remove the tension to a degree was Japan going down to Costa Rica. If Japan had won, then we would have seen a different Germany. But um, at least we saw the Germans... You know, the Germans did try and um, upset the Spanish. And, in fact, to be fair, I think they were in control of most of the game. uh, Up until... um, up until Murata came on actually. And then it was a you know, great goal by Murata. The Spaniards had the majority of possession, we knew that, but the Germans didn't seem too flustered about that. The Germans had a plan and they they stuck to it and, and they were able to um you know, they were able to get that equalizer. What did you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with pretty much everything you said and towards
1: the end of the game it looked like Germany were the one that was more likely to go out and get that winner. Spain, they didn't have that same go forward as they did against Costa Rica. Yes, a lot of that is probably just down to the quality of of the opposition, but they had some passing moves that were intricate like we saw in the previous match, but nothing to that same extent. I think Gavi had a good game, but not a great game. You could say that about a fair few of the players that took the field for Spain. Good games, not great games. And that's what they needed to knock over Germany, who are still... Despite some of their injuries and some of the feeling towards this World Cup from the entire German mentality from the players, the staff and, and those at home, they're not quite feeling this World Cup for plenty of off-the-pitch reasons, which are entirely valid, of course. They, they're still a very good team, bottom line. They're still a fantastic team and they, they showed that today and
0: Spain just didn't have that little bit of extra quality they needed. It still means that Germany needs to go and uh, beat Costa Rica to secure qualification, and uh, Japan, um, Japan really need a result against Spain. It's, this group is on tenor hooks.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's the qualification for Germany is not in their hands. If, even if they go and beat Costa Rica, if Japan go and beat Spain, then they're still going to be going home the Germans on goal difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, correct. It sets up uh, match day three in Group E in such a fascinating way. That it does. Lazarus, who is your player of the day? I'm going to go with Kramerich. Oh, you did say that. <laughs> no, <but laughs> you did say that. I did say that, but I, I am going to go with Kramerich. Yeah. Look, Zayic will get special mention as well. How about yourself?
1: I'm going to go for the Moroccan goalkeeper, uh, Munir al who came in at the, I think, the shortest notice I've ever seen for a player to come into a starting lineup. Yasin Bono, the recognised first choice. He was on the starting sheet. Yeah, he was on the match sheet. He was on the starting sheet. He was out singing the anthem with the rest of the, the players. He took the photo just before kickoff, but he pulled out with a very late withdrawal, probably seconds before kickoff. And uh, the second choice keeper, Muneer, he had to come in. And yes, he's not a, he's not inexperienced, but still he wouldn't have been ready men- mentally to come in. He would have been expecting almost a night off because it's not, as a backup keeper, you're not expecting to come on. No, that's right. So he had a good game. He had some pretty, pretty crucial sc- uh, saves uh, to keep Morocco's clean sheet intact and their fantastic defensive record intact. And he's a big reason as to why they won today.
0: Yeah, that's a great call. Great call. So should we move on to the end of Match Day 2 previews coming up for Group G and H? And this will see the end of Match Day 2 across the whole World Cup as far as the group stage is concerned. I feel like we say it on every episode,
1: but <laughs> it's moving so fast. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. can't believe we're at the end of Match Day 2 already. It's ridiculous. And the 9 o'clock game tonight... The last of the 9 o'clock games, unfortunately, we're losing this very favourable time slot for the Australian audience. Mm. It is Cameroon against Serbia. Two teams looking to pick up their first points of the tournament and two sides who showed glimpses of what they can do, but they'll be expecting much more of themselves coming into this game. How do you see it going, Lazarus?
0: I think Serbia will uh, just get the win here. And I'm going to say 2-1. This is going to be a really good game. A really good game. And you're right. Yeah, tonight is the last of these 9 o'clock kickoffs for us and and also the last of the midnight kickoffs. Yes, yes.
1: I think the 6 a.m. is slightly better than the midnight, but still losing those two time slots are not great.
0: Yeah, I think we go 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. from tomorrow. Yes, and
1: two games at the same time at both of those time slots. So there's going to be a lot of um, tired eyes in mm, the mornings, I think, very if much we're so. getting up at 2 a.m. for that and then quick nap, up again at six. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. right. That's right. Yep. If the sleep schedules haven't suffered enough. <laughs> no, no. No, they're about to suffer a little bit more. Getting back to this game though, I think Serbia will have enough quality. I'll be surprised if Lovic doesn't come in. He didn't start against Brazil because he wasn't quite fit, but he did play. He did come off the bench during that game. I think he, he should start alongside Mitrovic and I think Serbia will come away with winners in this one. I, I think Cameroon might get on the score sheet. I
0: might go for a 2-1. Yeah. No, I think he's got to start. Him. Good point there with regard to Vlaovic. I think Serbia uh, need to start him. They need to get the goals on the scoreboard as early as they can.
1: As we move over to the midnight kickoff, as you mentioned, the last of the midnight kickoff, South Korea against Ghana. And wow, this is a great game in prospect. Two teams who really did take it to their opponents in the first round of fixtures. Ghana are so unlucky not to come away with something from that game. Iñaki Williams almost snatched a point from Portugal, but I think they'll be buoyed by that performance, the Ghanaians, and they can take the game to Korea. I'm really torn on how I see this one panning out. This could go any way whatsoever. Oh,
0: looking forward to this one. Looking forward to this one.
1: I think I think Ghana will just come
0: away with it. I think I might go two-one. This will be a fascinating game. Uh, I agree with you. I think Ghana will get away with this and uh, they'll win this. I think two-one as well. Yeah, this will be a great game to watch. And yes, I think the man to look out for is Anaki Williams. We'll move on to the next game,
1: Brazil against Switzerland. And Brazil, looks like no Neymar for tonight's game. Might be back for the match day three fixture, depending on whether they need him or not. If they win tonight, then I wouldn't bet on Neymar playing in the third game of the group. And they'll save him for the knockouts. But they have to do it without him tonight against Switzerland, regardless. And the Swiss, they didn't look too good against Cameroon. They were a little bit slow. They didn't really get into their rhythm. and But the thing is, they still got the three points. They still, they just have that knack the Swiss of not playing well, but getting the result. And it's a big ask for them to repeat that feat again tonight. I think Brazil will be too strong, but it's going to be a tough game for Brazil. I'm going to go for a 2-1. Two, two, one, two, one.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a tough game as well for Brazil. In fact, it might be the toughest of the of the group stage for them. But yeah... Look, it wouldn't surprise me if this game ended up being a draw, right? Not because Neymar is missing, it's just the nature of the way that the Swiss play. It'll, you know, I think they'll try and make it a dour affair, try and you know, strangle midfield if they can to you know, try and stifle the creativity of the Brazilians. But I think the Brazilians will be too good. I think that uh, they'll win this 2-1. And then we move
1: through to the final game of match day two, 6am kickoff, Portugal against Uruguay. What a game in prospect this is. This will be a feisty encounter. Really looking forward to this one. And I think it'll be high octane. There'll be tackles flying in and it'll be high energy. And it'll be a good watch for those who do get up at six to go and watch this game. I'm expecting
0: this one to be really tight. I'm put this one down as a bit of a score draw to all. I think this is going to be a very entertaining game. I know that, um, I know that, Fernando Santos will try and hold back the Portuguese a little bit, as far as just to make sure that we they don't concede. Right, the important thing to, with Santos's teams is not to concede and then attack wherever you can. But they've got too many attacking weapons to hold them back. Right, so there will be a time where the uh, the Portuguese go forward will just be you know, unleashed. Um, and yeah, I think he will start with um, Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes in the middle with this game, though. Having said that, I don't think he'll start in the same way that he did last time.
1: He has to do that because Bruno did pretty much nothing off the right. He's not a winger. He's been playing there a little bit for Manchester United this season, but never really having an effect on the games in those instances. So he is a number 10, pure and simple. That is his position. Maybe an attacking number eight, but that's by the by. Surely he plays in the middle. And I would expect to see Raphael Leal as well. He mm. came off the bench, scored against Ghana, and I think he's
0: earned earned his place in the starting 11 for this game. Agree with you there. This will be fascinating. And look, Uruguay are chaotic. So this will be an entertaining game uh, because I expect it to go end to end and for both sides to actually have a go at each other. And the Uruguayans are generally pretty chaotic. So this should make for great entertainment.
1: So that was our review of the games just played this morning and our look ahead to the final games of Match Day 2. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for checking out the socials uh, at the Batpeg on Twitter and Instagram. We're having a little trouble with the
0: Twitter at the moment, but we'll be back before too long. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos, and thanks for listening, guys. Take care.